there, Coastal. How is everybody? Come on, let's give the Lord a great big hand clap. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? I'm so excited to be here with you today. What a privilege and an honor for me to get a chance to preach and share with Coastal Community Church. I like every time I get the privilege of sharing in, in someone else's church, like it's, it's so humbling because what they're saying is we're trusting you with our congregation. And, and that's a big deal because they have served and sacrificed so much to be able to help you grow in your walk with Jesus. This is a big deal. So I'm excited to be here. I want to introduce you to my family real quick. Uh, as I said, my name's David and, and my wife and I, uh, that's the young lady right there in the middle. She looks like my daughter, but she's, she's my wife. Um, we planted Lifesong Church 16 years ago in central Massachusetts, and uh, we were art plant number 32, so it feels like uh, 116 years ago, but uh, it's amazing. She still looks 24, so what am I going to do except thank you, Jesus. So um, also up there, this is my son. He's our youngest. His name's Dakota. Uh, he just graduated from Southeastern University last year, and uh, he's got a job and lives near us, and it's awesome. He's amazing. My, my middle child there, that's Kelsey. Um, she is an elementary education teacher, and she lives with us, and um, just amazing. And then over on that side is my oldest, that's Ashton, uh, and her husband, Kurt Couchman. And um, they've been married for about five years, and uh, joyful. That The little guy in the middle, um, this picture was taken a couple of years ago, so let me, let me show you a current picture of that guy. So that little guy in the middle, that's my oldest grandson, that's Hampton David Couchman. He's got my name in the middle, so how many know he's probably my favorite, you know what I'm saying? Um, but anyway, Hampton David is amazing and brilliant. And then that's Jet Caleb in Ashton's arms. Uh, he's about a year, almost a year and a half. So we're extremely blessed, have beautiful family. God has graced our family and uh, they are the joy of my life. So that's our family. Um, but I want to take a minute, thank you. I want to take a minute and just make sure that um, you understand the scope of, of your privilege of having uh, the pastors that you have. Um, I know you love your pastors, uh, TJ and Shayla. Are, I know you love them. But I, I, sometimes it's, it's important that you hear the scope of what they have poured their life and their heart and their hands into. And so I got to meet uh, Pastor TJ and Pastor Shayla about 15 years ago uh, before they planted Coastal Community Church, before, before what you are experiencing, experiencing here existed. And my wife and I got to meet them, and they became fast friends. Just We love everything about them. We love their uh, style. We love their humor. We love their authenticity. We just, we love them. They're, they're some of our favorite people in the world. And as God birthed the dream in them of Coastal Community Church and the planting of this church, we had the privilege of seeing it, of hearing about it, of, of, of praying it in with them. But then what is amazing, and you need to know, is that they have been faithful diggers of wells for 13 years, that they were digging wells for God to fill with water, for fruit to be manifest before the church opened its doors. They were praying for people like you that are sitting in this room, now experiencing the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. They were doing that for years and years and years when, when, when it would be easy to wonder if God was going to fill the wells. And so they are some of the most genuine, authentic, real, sacrificial people that I've ever known. And they will kill somebody and bury the body for you if, if you need them to. So I appreciate that about them as well. Um, 
But genuinely, they are some of the most genuine people I know. Like Pastor Shayla's message last week, the imposter syndrome message was incredible. And, and one of the things that stood out to me so much about it was her vulnerability about her own, you know, wrestling with thoughts like that. Like I'm just, they're very real. They let you in on who they really are, the humanity, not just their spiritual wisdom. They let you see that there's things that God is still working on in them and things that they're still dealing with and, and that, that God's bringing them through. And I'm just going to tell you, that that is extremely uncommon. That is not normal. Most pastors are taught <clears throat> and they live a life that keeps most of their church, if not all of it, out and most people out. Because if I get vulnerable and acknowledge that I have weak spots or that I, have, I still have things God's refining in me or even sinfulness, like there's something wrong with that is what, what you're taught. And Pastor TJ and Shayla would rather take the chance that you see their humanity and decide I can't follow them, then live an isolated kind of self-contained life that God didn't intend us to live. And so they let you in on their life, even though they're leading you. And I just think that kind of authenticity, genuine, real living is kind of the, the, the it, it brings an anointing from God onto the house that he's entrusted them to. So you have some incredible pastors. Can you do me a favor? Can we just give them a great big hand clap and honor them? So, so grateful for their friendship uh, in our life. They've prayed through hard things with us. They've celebrated with us. Like, I don't know where we'd be without their friendships. I'm so grateful for them. Can we just, uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into uh, today's message. Heavenly Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that the name of Jesus is above every single name. It's above everything. It's above every, every difficulty, every disease. It's over mental challenges and sinfulness. It's over physical challenges, God, extreme and small, sickness, disease, malady, infirmity. The name of Jesus trumps all of it. It sits over all of it. And today we, we stand in awe of and are grateful for the power of the name of Jesus. We honor you today, Lord. We ask you to have your way in us, God. Would you use your word to shape us, grow us, nudge us, equip us uh, to be not only more like you, but to, to, to fulfill your mission on the earth through this church, God. We thank you for it. And we uh, just ask all of this and, and receive it by faith in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God. Everybody said amen. Come on. Amen, amen, amen. Well, uh, listen, how many of you have ever had a moment? By the way, look at the person next to you and just say, we, I'm going to need you to get a little loud today. Tell them, just, I'm going to need you to get a little loud today. Look at the person on the other side and say, you can get loud in whatever language you want to. Any language you want. I don't care. I only speak one, unfortunately, but I don't care if it's Portuguese or if it's Spanish or if it's... Uh, um, Croatian, I don't care. Just get loud. That's all I'm saying, okay? Um, so how many of you have ever had a moment maybe in your life, maybe you're in it right now, but you've ever had a moment or a season where you felt like you're living your life and day-to-day -day you're living, but you don't feel like there's a lot of significance to the way you're living or the outcomes of your daily life. Anybody ever have a moment like that or a season like that? Maybe you're in it right now. I, I, I've had these conversations with my children. Janelle and I have had these conversations through the years where there's moments where we feel like it's almost like the movie Groundhog Day. Every day I wake up, I kind of do the same general things and I do the same things and then I go to bed and I wake up and we do sort of the and I'm, I'm wondering, like, I'm living all these days, and what is, the, what is the outcome? What is the worth of the days? It's not, it's not just about a paycheck. You get a paycheck. You, you, you know, you eat a meat. But, but what's the significance? Why? Like, the why questions. And so I want to explore this a little bit with you today, because I think your church 
is in an incredible moment in history. And I, I, as I said, I've gotten to see Coastal. I got to preach at Coastal when it was in the high school years ago. Like I, I've, I've watched what God has done and I've watched the wells that have been dug. I was out at Lighthouse Point, by the way. What's up, Lighthouse Point? Like I got a chance to go out there and see it when it was in construction. And now I've gotten to see it yesterday. Pastor TJ brought me by to just show me the amazing facilities out there, the life that's taking place. Hear stories and testimonies of what's going on at Lighthouse Point. Like unbelievable. And of course, things that are taking place here in Parkland. I got to tour the, the new facility. I got the sneak peek inside tour kind of thing. And I saw that, that a bunch of you wrote on walls and stuff. And I could just, it's just, I'm just floored. And I wonder if we are fully aware of what we're right here in the middle of. I wonder if you know exactly what is taking place and your part in it. And it, it would be easy to look at what God is doing and see it through the lens of, look what I'm about to get to coast on. Instead of what I'm about to help fulfill at Coastal. And so I want to look at a, a story. It's a story you've heard before probably. If you're new to church or you're new to Coastal, uh, you know, maybe you've, you've, you've not ever heard the details of the story. But you've probably heard the story at least kind of at a high level. So we're going we're gonna to take a look in the, in, the, in the Bible in the book of Genesis chapter 6. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 6 in your Bible. We're going to read some scripture together. And as you turn there, I want you to write down this big idea. This is, this is your big idea for us for the next few minutes. Is that God's heart is all about the one. But reaching one often begins with each of us choosing to be a one. In other words, everybody likes the idea of reaching a one. Like you talk about it at Coastal. Most churches talk about it. Like Jesus shares the story. The shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And we all love that story. And we should. Like it's incredible the principles that are found in that. That there's, there's, that when someone who's been a part of or is connected to the community drifts off and finds themselves in a, in a bad place or a distant place or a lost place, gets himself stuck in a briar patch or something, that the shepherd says, I'm going to go and reach and find the one, that each one matters. So true. But someone has to choose to be one to go get the one or to reach the one. In fact, in the Gospels, we see lots of contrast between ones and many's. We read stories about Jesus being on a boat preaching and, and many hear it. And we read him about him feeding many on the side of the, the mount, 5,000 fed in a day. We read stories about crowds, but over and over and over we see the examples of singles, of ones. We read about the lost coin, this one coin that had to be found, the, the pearl of great price. We read about the, the, the prodigal son. We get individual things contrasted against many. And, and we like the idea of God doing something big and many, but many is a collection of ones and ones are reached by ones. They're not reached by many's. The collection of ones makes many, but ones reach ones. In fact, even in the book of Acts, chapter 2, we read the story of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit falls. People are filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. And there's all these people outside who are wondering what's going on. And Peter, a one by name, goes out and preaches a, a, a message that results in thousands coming to faith in Jesus and, and joining the church, right? But it was because Peter decided to go and be a one. Like, the, like you have to start there. And so we're going to read the story of Noah today. And you've probably heard the story of Noah. You know, he's the guy that built the boat and whatever. We're going to read through it, talk about a few things. And I'm not sure 
we've understood fully that I hope will encourage you, challenge you, and, 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 and help you bring to pass what I believe God is wanting to do through this church uh, in this time. So we're in Genesis chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to start in verse 1 in the New International Version, and this is what it says. It says, so when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. How many of you want all 120 years, Lord? Give me all 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children with them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. And the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. Now, if, you, if you've read your Bible, you know that Genesis 1 is the story of creation. And even if you haven't, you've heard the human race we, we talk about and refer to being created in the image of God. And in Genesis 1, we read that, that God created all of the earth and he separated light and darkness and land and sea and created all the animals. And then he got to man and he created in his image, man and woman created he them, the Bible says. And on that day, he looked over creation and he said, that's good, that's good, that's good. But related to humanity, man and woman, he said, that is very good. Look at the person beside you and say, you're very good. Tell him, say, you're very good. Look at the person on the other side and say, but I'm not sure about you. <laughs> so God creates very good mankind. And just six chapters later, we read that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every, everybody say every, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The emphasis in scripture is that the, the erosion of the pursuit of God, of relationship with God, of commitment to God, of engaging God, of keeping the law of God, of listening to the voice of God, of upholding the holiness of God, that all of it had eroded and every thought and intent of the heart as well as behavior was only wicked all the time. There could not be a more, commence, a, a, a more comprehensive description of the evilness of the earth than that. Only evil all the time. So the Lord, uh, excuse me, verse 6. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. The same human beings he said were very good, that were created in his image, intended to fulfill and populate the earth, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God thought he would fill the earth with a reflection of himself, with an image of God, with purpose and nature. Human beings who could be in divine and intimate relationship with God, sin entered the equation and the erosion of all of it led to this place. Verse 6, the Lord regretted his creation. And his heart was deeply troubled. Verse 7. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret, I regret that I have made them. And then verse 8. This hopeful verse that I, wanna, I want us to jump in from. Verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, a name, a one, 
found favor in the eyes of the Lord. When we read through the scriptures, we find lots of, lots of places. I'm, I'm going to go through a list of some of them in the New Testament where individual names are what are pointed out. Ones who were concerned about being the one, not just, not just being the one reached, but being the one who plays a part. Names like Paul and Barnabas and Silas and Lydia and Phoebe and Timothy and Jason and Steve and Titus and many, 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 many others who changed the world because they decided to open-handedly follow through on God's call and purpose and the part they could play in the place and time they were placed. And Noah is a one who the Bible says found favor when the world was full of wickedness, evil thoughts, only evil all the time. Now, I know that, that your area is not full of evil all the time, but I do think that the nature of our culture has, has drifted more and more and more into a place of more evil more often than it has ever been in history. Like, it, like the, the, the conflict, the criticality, the outright rejection of God, the seeking to mock the purposes and plans of God, much less the laws of God, is more pervasive in our world now than I can remember it in my 29 years of life. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's, I mean, it's everywhere. It's in our neighborhoods. It's on the you know, grocery store aisles. It's on soccer fields and in school systems and in politics. And, like, it's everywhere more than I can ever remember. And so... So we, we have to consider why the Lord, like in Acts 17, would put us here now. Yeah. Like, why am I here now? Why wasn't I born in, you know, a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago? Why am I born now that God has set the intention and the time and place for which each man will be born? He's arranged and ordained it. And you are here now in this place for this season in this geography. There has to be more than simply the insignificance of a groundhog day where just I go through the motions. So here's what I want you to jot down. First thing is this. Your families here and now may hinge on your faith and favor. So don't be dissuaded or discouraged in your faith and favor. Your families. Here and now, like the condition of their world may hinge on your faith and favor. So, so the story of Noah, we read that he's found favor. Well, here's what happens. Noah eventually has a moment where God downloads to him this, this purpose. Like, here's what I'm going to call you to do, Noah. The world is so evil and terrible. You're going to have to do this thing. And, and I don't know how it happens. You don't know how it happened. Maybe Noah was walking out in the woods with his morning coffee, and he's enjoying a, a stroll through the gopher trees, and God starts to speak to him. And God says, you're going to build a boat. Now, I'm not sure Noah was familiar with what a boat is, but, but God says, you're going to build an ark, this big thing, and you're going to build it out of the wood amongst the, from the trees that you're walking in, and, it's, and, and, and then I'm going to flood the earth, and I'm going to destroy it because mankind is evil all the time. That's all that's there. And, but you found favor, but I'm going to rescue you. But in order to rescue you and all that comes after you, you're going to have to play a part. Yeah. And then Noah has to come back from the walk and tell the family. We don't think about this part of the story. We just think about the Noah built the ark. And the Noah didn't build an ark in a minute. It took him a while. But Noah comes back and he has to now tell the story. And, and eventually they build the ark. The ark goes off and the, the, the rains come. And the ark floats. And eventually, 150, 180 days later, God sends wind to dry the earth. And the boat lands. And off the boat come Noah and his family and probably some new babies in the oven. How many know what I'm talking about? 150 or 180 days on a boat. No TV. Just saying, 
Don't tell me you haven't ever thought stuff like that. I know you've thought stuff like that too. So they come off the boat, the animals come off the boat, um, and, and, and life begins again. And, 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 and what God intended has now come to pass, and God does some things. But, but it, we read that story, and we kind of jump through all those things, and we miss some of the, the, the wrestling and the journey. Like, so, so Noah comes back from the moment when God gives him the vision. He calls together the family. He says, hey, come here. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Calls the family together. Says, hey guys, how are we doing? So I was out on a walk today, and there was a voice in my head. And um, God told me that I gotta build a boat. And I know you don't know what a boat is, but I gotta build a boat, and the boat's gonna float. And I know you don't know what that means, but um, the boat's gonna float. And we're gonna be on a boat for like six months. and it's big, like it's really, I think, because it, it's got to hold all the animals on the whole earth. <laughs> so I'm going to need your help. Um, so are you guys in? Are we, are we in on this? Can we, get, can we do this, right? Okay, great. Break on three. Hands in. All right. One, two, three. Break, right? Okay. So he has to tell the family. Give them a hand. Come on. They were great. Very great. So, so he tells the family. And then how many of you have ever heard of like the meeting after the meeting? Like at work, you have the meeting, and then after the meeting, the seven people that were in the meeting, three of them get to go, well, I need to have a meeting about that meeting. I don't know what I think about that meeting. That meeting has an issue. So you can imagine Shem, Ham, and Japheth, like the kids get together and say, I think dad's drinking again. I'm not sure. He might have a psychotic break that's taking place. There's multiple voices that are going on. I don't know what the heck is going on, but I'm freaking out about dad. We need to pray. And then, and, then, and then Noah starts to take walks in the wood. And he has, we don't know if he's a carpenter. We don't know if he's ever cut down a tree or planed wood. We don't know anything about his skill set. We just know that Noah gets a direction from God about how to use his hands for a purpose that he doesn't fully understand. But because he is hearing from God, you found favor. Listen to this. It will sound so difficult when God says you found favor and you're like, yes, I found favor. I expect that means you're going to pour out a blessing that I can't contain. And the Lord says, no, I need you to cut wood and plain wood and build a boat and do something no one's ever done in a way you don't think you're capable of it. And by the way, you've never done anything like it. It's going to take months, maybe years to build it. But I need you to get started now. That Noah had to wrestle through what the outcome of telling people what God had called him to do would happen with his family and with his neighbors. And all of the tweeting, Noah's crazy, I can't believe this is going on. How dare he block my good view out of the back of my house with his giant thing. Let's cancel Noah. Like, every voice would be to tell him. That this thing God has told you, you missed God, you misunderstand it's God, you ate the wrong food, you've got to, like there's issues, discouragement, dissuasion from both his family and those closest to him would press in on what God has called, and frankly not just called him to, but given him the opportunity to be a person of significance in the future spiritual legacy of the human race. And so I just want to say to you as we get started today, if you've wrestled with whether or not you can be a part, play a part, have a significance to your life that outlasts you, I want to encourage you that you're not the first person to wrestle with God speaking to you about something scares you. 
You're not the first person to wonder about when I tell somebody I'm deeply involved in this church called Coastal Community Church and I'm going to start serving in a way. I'm going to start doing. I've started giving. I'm participating in a way that will yield great significance over time. And the people around you go, well, you shouldn't trust a church because of this. You shouldn't get involved because of that. God's not real. You should Like everything wants to dissuade you and discourage you and distract you. And like Noah had to say, I don't care what the names are, what the voices are, what my kids think, what the media after the meeting said God said so you can't be discouraged or dissuaded your family's here and now may hinge on your faith and the favor you find with God here's the second thing I want you to jot down generations beyond our own deserve our dedication to the cause of Christ see Noah first of all like, my grandchildren, I'm just, how many of you in here have grandchildren? Who has grandchildren? Anybody have grandchildren? How many of you are in the process of being sure that your parents have grandchildren? <laughs> Somebody, okay, you're working on it? Okay. Like, grandchildren have, like, ruined Janelle and me. Like, they, every, it seems like, it seems like all, of the, all we think about are how it's, like, what can we do with our grandkids? How can we make life better for them? What, we're going to go make a moment with them. We're going to go celebrate something with them. Every time my wife comes home, she spent more money on a new toy for my grandchildren. Like, we sold cars just to pay for the toy bill. It's crazy. They're amazing, and I, and I love them. But every time my, ki- my grandkids come over to our house, like, we open the door. I'm like, oh, Hampton, what's up? Hugs and kisses. And I'm Jed. Hugs and kisses. And it's so wonderful, and they're smiling, and it's beautiful and wonderful. And, and then I'm hoping, like, are y'all going home now? Because if you stay here, you- <laughs> Come on, girl, right there. That's what I'm saying. Hallelujah. She's getting free right now. If you stay, you're going to eat my food. And I love that you want to eat my food. I just want you to eat it and not have half of it end up crushed into my rug. And I don't want your toys to be so strewn out that I'm going to have to spend 30 minutes after you leave picking it all up. Or the baseball that you're going to, the tennis ball, that's the thing, right? Tennis ball. They go and find tennis balls, rip the can open, take all the balls out and just start throwing them. And we're going to have broken windows and broken vases and flower pots. And I'm like, I love that you're here. My whole, I love my, my future grandchildren generate like I love it, but oh my gosh, you're disrupting my life. My wife and I are making almost every decision, including in some way, the future impact on my grandkids. The house we want to buy or build. The, the cars were driving. Like Janelle's like, I can't even drive a nice car anymore because I put the grandkids in the car and just they just spilled drinks and juice and crap all over my floor. I'm, I mean, we're changing everything about our life in view of the future generations of our life. And more importantly, the neglect of that consideration can very well mean that in, a, in 5 or 7 or 12 or 22 years, when my grandchildren are thinking about getting married and they're getting married and they start to have children and they're my great-grandchildren and the ones that come after them and I'm no longer here, will I have done things in a way that have helped equip them for not just life on earth but life in eternity? And Noah could have made the decision to answer God's call to obedience and say, Lord, I'm glad I found favor with you. Ask someone else to do the work, but I still want the ride. I want the future generations to be taken care of. I don't want my kids and my grandkids to not be alive or to be wiped off the earth, but I don't want to do the work. I don't want to play a part. I don't want to add my hands. It's going to be too hard. I don't like it. So generations beyond our own 
deserve our dedication to the things of God, the cause of Christ, the work of the kingdom, the ministry, the dedication, the difficulty, the hard places, the open-handedness that transcends the experience you're having now. See, some people looked at Lighthouse Point when it was being built out and like, I can't wait to go and sit in the pew. And others were saying, if I don't play a part, there won't be a pew. Some of you are looking at the Parkland building being built and saying, I just can't wait to go enjoy those new seats or that new sound system or, or it's going to be a great experience when we don't have to have six services and we don't have to preach six times. <laughs> but some people have to say, I'm going to help go install those chairs. I'm going to go make sure those walls get put up. I'm going to make sure that I'm at the door to make sure everybody gets a seat. I'm going to go into the neighborhood to make sure that someone hears about a seat that's been prepared for them because their, na their name, John, needs to be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And someday, John's kids are going to need to know Jesus. And if we don't reach John, those future generations will miss out on Jesus too. It's not just your generation or even your own kids and their grandkids. There are generations beyond you. And Noah went onto the boat with his kids and came off with grandkids. Yeah. What if Noah decided, I just want to coast? What would have happened? See, God does everything generationally. We read all through the Old Testament that, that you know, blessing and cursing are, are visited on future generations. In fact, at the end of the journey for Noah in Genesis chapter 9, Scripture says, and this will be a sign of the covenant, the rainbow. This will be a sign of a covenant which I make between you and me, Noah, and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. That what is done now, what we've done together, what you put your hands to, what I've strengthened you to fulfill, what you've obediently walked at for years building a boat, you didn't know that had to float, you didn't know what had to happen, you told your kids to put pitch on it so it didn't get full of water, they don't even know what that is, but you made them do it anyway. If we didn't do it together, we wouldn't be here, but because you have open-handedly followed after what I've asked you to do and brought this thing to pass forever. I will never visit wrath on the human race again because you put your hands to it. You have a chance to play a part in this incredible arc that God has created for this region called Coastal Community Church. It's not a place for you to get a ride. It's a place for you to help expand Here's the third thing I want you to jot down. Our availability, not our age, is what keeps us from being used greatly by God. Our availability, not our age. Look at the person beside you and say, you're young. Tell them, look at somebody, tell them you're young. Look at the person on the other side and say, you not so much. We all love next generation ministry. I mean, I, we, I, and, and Coastal, this is, I just think this is a beautiful thing about this church. Like, there is no limiter that you have to get to a certain age. You, 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 you can't help or serve or play a part or be used by God until you hit 18 or 24 or whatever. Like, they want to allow next generation all the time to be involved and play a part. And we, we celebrate it like crazy. In fact, we quote 1 Timothy chapter 4 all the time because it sounds good and, and we believe in it. Paul wrote this to Timothy. He said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. In other words, young people can lead old people. It's important that young people are involved and play a part in the church. Timothy, oversee this church. But you know what else is true? Genesis chapter 7, verse 6. Noah was 600 years old 
when the floodwaters came on the earth. Look at the person beside you and say, you look good for 600. <laughs> that means Noah started building the ark when he was, I don't know, 597 or 598. Like, like, like his back was sore. Like his hamstrings were getting like, oh, Lord. There's no such thing as ibuprofen, Lord. How are we going to get through this? I don't know how to make it through this. And God chose him in an, at an older age to not only be a part, but to lead the way in redeeming future generations. And, and I'm just telling you, you might be a person who literally, like your age on the earth is not 600, but it's not 26. And you think I've aged out. At this point, I just, I'm probably not going to add much value because I'm old. I just want to say, that is a lie of the enemy, and it's not the heart of this church. There's another, there's another kind of chronology that gets in the way, and it's the chronology of serve years. We look at our, our time in serving, and we go, okay, I've served for six years or two years or six months or, or since the church was built, you know, 13 years ago, launched. And we think, I put in my time. I'm, it's like dog years. Serve years are like dog years. You know what I'm talking about? Like I put in seven. That's like, that's like 49 years. So that's what it's like. And I've done my time. And I age out or I've served out. Can I just say to you, imagine Noah saying, God, I'm 597 years old. Pick somebody else. God... You can't use me. My back is tired. I got osteoporosis in my hips. Like, I don't know how I'm going to swing a hammer or walk back and forth or haul wood. I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm too old. You got it wrong, God. But Noah didn't say that. Noah said, I'm a little uptight about what everybody's going to think. But I will trust the Lord to strengthen me where I need strength, to equip me where I need skill, to help me see where I don't see, to help me stand in the face of persecution, question, even from my own family. And I will open-handedly walk obediently after the opportunity God has given me. He's not said favor equals blessing. He said favor equals opportunity to play a part. And I want you to know something. You are placed here. The favor of God is giving you an opportunity to play a part in something very, very, very big. What is going to take place in this region? And has been. It's like, it's, it's, it's. We see fruit. I think we're about to see fields of fruit through this church. Here's the last thing. Jot this down. Being the first to follow the Lord is always worth the risk. And um, I just, I, I think that you might be a person who is the first one to follow God in your family. Or maybe you're checking out church and nobody else in your family is connected to it. And it's a little like Noah in the early days when he was told this, this vision and he was given the opportunity to play a part in what God was going to do. And there's the wrestling match of what everyone around me thinks. And Noah had the chance to say, you know, I, I, would, I would rather not do it than do it. Yeah. And, and the risk of not doing it might be that we all die. But the risk of doing it is I might hurt myself. I'm old and like there, there's a comparison and a, 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 a risk evaluation, an ROI for what I'm going to put into this. Is it worth it? And I want to say to you that, that there is never a greater risk than choosing to ignore the opportunity that God gives us to put our hands to kingdom work. There's never a greater, there's never a greater reward, but there is always risk. But the reward always wins as if we just have to decide we're going to run after it. 
And the truth of the matter is that this isn't just true for all of us. Jesus actually had to walk the same road. The Bible says that the, the Lamb of God that God ordained and intended to, to slay the Lamb of God from the foundation of the world. That, that Jesus himself was one who was going to be fulfilling purpose to reach one. In other words, Jesus would have done what he did just for you. If you were the only one, he still would have done it. However, he had to face down the questions of discouragement and dissuasion. He had, to, he had to go through a hard moment we read about in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is in there praying and blood, is sweat. is And he's saying, Lord, I don't want to do this. Yet not my will, but your will be done. God, take this cup from me. But if it be your will, I don't really want to open-handedly obey in my humanity. But for what is going to come after? Hebrews says that Jesus... For the joy set before him, what would come on the backside of the journey, what would be after the obedience, what would come beyond, not the right now. It doesn't feel good right now. I don't like what I'm going to go through. But out there someday is a someone and a generation that will, be, that will be knowing God again, that will be restored to relationship. I have to walk through it for the joy set before me. It says Jesus endured the cross. So today I, I, I want to encourage you. To not look at your part to play at Coastal and your part to play in the economy of God as a coasting experience. I want you to see that God has put you here in this time and place and he's got a great part for you to play. And you may not see it yet. You may say, I need someone to help me figure it out. I don't even know that my first step will be the actual step, but I'd rather get involved and open my hands and say, I'm here. I'm going to help build the ark. If you need me to carry the wood, I'll carry the wood. If you need me to put nails in the wood, I'll put nails in the wood. If you need me to put pitch on the wood, I'll put pitch in the wood. If you need me to stand beside you and go, good job, keep going. I know you can do it. And just be the encourager so the ark gets built. That's what I'll do. But I will open-handedly play apart because God has put me here at a time when an ark is being built I need to help there's too much on the line too much at risk for you to decide it's not worth it I'm telling you eternity and generations is on the line so here's what I'd like to do would you just bow your heads and close your eyes I want you to turn your hands toward heaven go ahead turn your hands toward heaven I'm gonna pray and I'm just gonna ask you to listen to the Holy Spirit right now you know some of you need to take Take steps in this church. You, you've been here a little while. You need, to, you need to get in growth track. You need to say, hey, I don't know where, I'm, where I need to play a part, but I can't stand and watch anymore. The ark needs to be built. I need to play a part. And so you need to get your hands involved. And there are others of you who need to say yes to Jesus today. You've never surrendered your life to him. And you've missed the fact that that one, Jesus would have come and gone through all of the pain, suffering, death, and resurrection. If you were the only one, he would have done it. And he wants to make sure that your one name is written in the Lamb's book of life as much as he wants to make sure that you help others do the same. So together, let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak. God, we come to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you that your word is true, that your promises are all yea and amen. We thank you that, God, you have created us and placed us where you've placed us with intention for this time, in this season, in this geography, in this century, in this house, God, that it is intentional and purposeful. And so, Lord, like Noah, we say we want to walk in your favor, whatever is asked of us. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you just speak? Would you just minister to someone? Let them know that though they think they're insignificant you have significance in their future though they think they may have a mess that can't be used that you have a message to bring to pass through their life the shoulder rubbing and the the integration into community the playing a part in something where eternal consequence is being poured out will bring them fulfillment in their walk with you a, a joy that their mess has not cost them their future God 
Would you bring them to a place where they sense your favor and know how to put it to use? Would you whisper it by your spirit? God, would you give people in this church the opportunity to see them where they sit? To call out of them the gift and the, the opportunity, the place, the part they can play. Even when they're not sure they have the capacity, God. Give them the courage to step into it. The open-handed obedience to step into it. In Jesus' name. Now before you lift your heads, if, if there's anyone in here who has not surrendered their life to Jesus right now, I'm just going to invite you to put your hand up real high in the air. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer of surrender to Jesus. So if that's you and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, maybe you've been coming to church, but you've never said, I surrender. I lay down my life and receive the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. If you've never done that right now, put your hand up real high in the air and then I'm gonna pray for you. Thank you. Who else would say that right now? There's another one. Who else would say that? That's me. I need to surrender to Jesus and I've never done it. If that's you right now, one more second. That's so good. Thank you. Well, you can put your hands down. I'm going to pray. Church, would you just pray alongside those who are surrendering to Jesus even in this moment? Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you sent him and that he died for me. God, right now, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. All the things I've done wrong, I ask you to cover them and to wash them clean. Make me new because of Jesus. And right now, Jesus Christ, I surrender my life to you. Control, authority, leadership, and lordship, I surrender to you. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, amen. can we celebrate that? So Thank good. You,